0: Hello and welcome to episode 9 of The Amp, the podcast manpower Analysis bringing you the latest business insights, talking points and research from industry experts in the global media landscape. In this episode, Research Director Richard Broughton is joined by Manal Motor and Callum Sillers. Manal first discusses consumer sentiment towards the reopening of cinemas, what demographics are most likely to return first and how cinemas can be marketing to these different groups. Richard then chats to Callum about the online advertising market, drawing on comparisons to TV advertising and how this is likely to evolve over the coming years. You can subscribe to The Amp on Acast or find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts or Apple Podcasts. To keep up to date with the latest industry analysis, stay ahead of the curve with The Amp podcast.
1: Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the AMP podcast, where we're going to be looking at some of the latest issues in the media markets. I'm Richard Broughton. I'm going to be joined today by two colleagues, Minal Moda, who's going to be talking me through some of the research she's been doing on the return to cinema and consumer perceptions around when they think they'll be back. And I'm going to be talking to my colleague, Callum Sillers, who's been looking at the online advertising market and the route to recovery. So, Minal, first up, you've been looking at uh, cinema uh, data, and more specifically, rather than the current impact on uh, box office, which we've already done a fair amount of research and you've been looking at consumer sentiment around returning to the cinema. Now, as countries around the world begin to emerge from lockdown, various public venues are looking to reopen, and that includes cinemas. But... I'm assuming even after reopening, cinemas are going to face potentially reduced admission volumes as a consequence of some public concern around the virus. What can you tell us about the research you've been doing around consumer sentiment?
2: Hi Richard, thanks for having me on. Um, Yeah, you're Absolutely right. I think, you know, there will be an impact on consumer sentiment to returning to public venues like the cinema. Um, This piece of research was actually um, triggered by research done by a polling company called Donata, and they ran a COVID-19 study in 11 markets. And it was to understand changing consumer attitudes. And one of that thing, one of those things was the return to the cinema. Now, by looking at this data, what I found is that there's a correlation between the age of the respondents and how quickly they are likely to return to go to an actual cinema. For example, nearly two and three Gen Z respondents, so those are people who are aged between 18 and 24, they said they'll be heading back to the cinema relatively quickly. And nearly half of millennials said that they would also follow suit. However, as the age of the respondent increases that desire to return begins to decrease quite drastically.
1: So presumably that's that's in relation to, I, I guess, younger consumers feeling that, um, you know, they've been reading the press and they feel they're less likely to get severe uh, illness or perhaps they're just more confident generally. Um, so you've mentioned that the older consumers are more concerned about returning to the cinema. Um, how important are the older consumer segments to um, cinema chains?
2: So they're... they're- They're of course important, but if we look at cinema-going behaviours prior to COVID-19, what Ampere's consumer data on cinema visits as a whole shows is that not all of the groups are as valuable to the industry. So, for example, those who are under 40, so that's Gen Z and millennials, they're more likely to visit cinema chains more frequently. So what this means is that after the pandemic, it will be really important to entice that younger audience back as soon as possible because they make up more of the ticket sales.
1: So for for that particular group, if I'm understanding this right, they're more willing to go back relatively quickly and they visit more frequently.
2: Yeah, that's absolutely correct.
1: Um so what what
2: what are the lessons
1: for cinema chains here? What what should they be thinking in light of this?
2: So in order to try and quantify and put a bit, a bit of a scientific approach on what the ramifications of the of all of this could be. Um what we did is we basically took that polling data from Donata, which showed the willingness to return to the cinema. And then we reweighted this using the percentage of ticket sales attributed to that group. Now, what this does is that it gives us an estimate of the proportion of ticket sales that will bounce back quickly. Now, looking at all of this and amalgamating it across the different groups, what we found is that 48% of total ticket sales fall into this bounce back quick, quickly category, and it leaves over half of Ticket sales
1: at risk. I suppose there are there are a couple of ways that you could look at that. On, on one hand, you've got half of ticket sales which could return very rapidly, and that might be a positive. But on the other, you've also got half of ticket sales, you know, that cinema chains may find have gone missing or are certainly are going to be very difficult to to convince consumers to return. How how can cinema chains work to to get people back to cinemas?
2: So. When when you break this down, um, Gen Z and millennials, they account for nearly two thirds of the people who are willing to bounce back quickly to the cinema, whereas baby boomers only represent like less than one in six of their sales. So I would expect distributors to do a couple of things. Now, first of all, they might want to heavily market Gen Z and millennial skewing films because their marketing budgets are likely to be proportionally more effective in attracting that audience who are already showing um, a willingness to return quickly. And then secondly, they might want to look to work with exhibitors in order to highlight to older consumers, like particularly Gen X and baby boomers, that cinemas are safe to return to once the appropriate measures are in place. But that one might be a bit more of a long term strategy and still slightly harder to implement.
1: So I'd imagine that one's going to be particularly costly because it's not just a communications message; it's also about actually physically making the the, the, the cinemas um, effectively safe to return to.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Interestingly, I actually saw an article last week which was US centric, but they were basically saying that apart from like really big blockbuster weekends, capacity in a lot of US screens is actually at about. most of the time. So those um, exhibitors were saying that they won't need to do a lot in terms of social distancing at non-peak times because those are kind of already in place with not that many people being in the cinemas. So in theory, yes, it might be slightly more expensive, but in some markets, because of lower attendances, some of that might be a bit easier.
1: So that's an interesting point around, particularly with the older demographics who have perhaps have more flexibility. If you're thinking about retired consumers, at the times they go, so perhaps there's a marketing message there about spreading the attendances out rather than going at the weekends. Have you considered, you know, during the week um, to reduce the load at? at uh, times that might otherwise um, saturate the the capacity.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think at the moment, like in, in our normal day to day, that probably fits in quite well with the narrative of older people who are able to go during the week. But with so many people on furlough at the moment, there might be a slight risk that actually there are quite a lot of people during the week who also have a few t- who also have time on their hands. So they might need to be quite strong messaging around that and there might still need to be quite a bit of crowd control I would imagine.
1: Very interesting well hopefully some good news for cinema chains in among among all the doom and gloom um, uh, surrounding the the pandemic Um, but we'll begin to see that uh, I guess over the next month or so as cinemas start to um, begin their reopening processes. Thank you very much Ben. that's very interesting um, I'm going to be turning to Callum now who's been looking at the online advertising market um, Callum you've you've been looking I think specifically at a few of the big players who act I guess you could say as bellwethers for the wider industry um, in particular Google and Facebook um, now they're They're the lion's share of online advertising, or take the lion's share of online advertising revenue globally. Um, But I understand the Q1 results are a bit mixed for them, depending on the the business segment. Um, What what did you find?
0: Thank you, Richard. Um, So for the first quarter of 2020, uh, these online advertising tech players, uh, such as Facebook or Google, um, which combined account for over 70% of the online advertising market, they continued to show um, strong year-on-year growth following on from 2019. Now, this comes on the back of a very strong January and February, um, which was then uh, unsurprisingly met by an abrupt decline in March uh, once the stay-at-home orders were introduced. Now, typically companies are are describing this as a slowdown in ad spend. Facebook, in particular, experienced flat year-on-year growth in the first few weeks of April after a reasonably strong 17% growth in the first quarter. Now, this sentiment of a slowdown Uh, has been echoed across the sector with many firms describing um, single figure growth or uh, in the latter half of March.
1: I mean, that's that's quite an interesting um, contrast, I guess, if I think back to the last few weeks, um, uh, where we've been looking more specifically at the broadcast TV space, and it hasn't been so much of a a slowdown there as a as a complete uh, collapse in, in, um, in TV advertising spend, is you know, we're hearing figures of minus 30%, minus 40%, but from the sounds of it, for Google and Facebook and, and some of the other big online firms, we're talking more like 0% or 2% or 3%, is that about right?
0: Uh, yeah, that's uh, kind of the ballpark figure that we're looking at here. Uh, so what's interesting is there's been uh, a significant divergence um, between uh, brand advertising and that from direct response marketing. Um, We've seen brands such as uh, Pepsi Cola, uh, General Motors, and Domino's Pizza in the US all look set to kind of cancel their third quarter commitments. And uh, brand advertising as a whole has been slashing their advertising spend uh, in the second quarter.
1: And when we're talking about brand advertising, these are the, typically the big splashy campaigns that you'd get on on TV or perhaps on um, increasing on certain segments of online media. Is that, uh, is that fair to say big brand building?
0: Yeah, the type of campaign where they're trying to build customer loyalty and brand identity and kind of recognition of uh, the brand as a whole. And then the direct response,
1: however, you're saying, has been much more more stable. And these would be, you know, your cost per click or cost per I- impression, where you're looking to drive immediate returns.
0: Uh, yeah. So the drop in demand from um, the brand advertising has obviously caused a drop in ad pricing. This has opened uh, the door for many opportunistic marketers. And direct response marketing has very much come in to plug the gap.
1: So, certainly, say anecdotally, I've seen, seen quite a few uh, both gaming and gambling uh, sites begin to, to advert, advertise a bit more, particularly on social media.
0: Yeah, this has been great for anyone that has an app that they want to sell or a website URL that they want to drive uh, traffic to kind of ensure anyone, any form of marketing that desires an immediate response from the consumer, such as a click
1: Very interesting. So if we we take all this information and and try to figure out what happens next, which I know you've been doing, um, I also know that a few of the big companies have been withdrawing guidance. So when we're thinking about, I guess, our projections for for 2020, what have you been factoring in? here?
0: I suppose um, the main assumption that's been made in our forecasts is that we are not heading for a prolonged recession. Uh, 2020 itself will experience a dip. And that will spill over to some extent into 2021. But by the time 2022 is rolled around, a sense of normality will have returned to the market. And beyond 2022, we have returned to kind of the forecast that is in line with our expectations prior to the COVID-19 pandemic.
1: So I guess thinking specifically about what, what we're looking at for the rest of 2020, when are you? When are you expecting the ad growth in the online world to begin to return to you know some level comparable to what we saw back in 2019? Because um, I imagine with it with it flat at the moment, we're going to see it flat for another few months at least.
0: Uh, yes, yeah. so within 2020 itself, we're going to see um, results for companies such as Facebook and Google probably stay quite flat. And going into uh, probably August, when we start to see uh, a, a return to uh, reasonable growth. And um, this kind of very much depends upon the relaxation of lockdown measures within Europe and the rest of the world. So we've already seen, um, say in Germany, uh, we have some football begin to resume. And then in the US, the restrictions, um, although they vary from state to state, somewhere like Texas, for example, restaurants can now operate at 50 cent capacity. And so this should allow um, many of the macroeconomic metrics, which um, advertising is very much tied to, such as GDP, uh, to start to pick up um, once the economy um, kind of gets back on its feet. And so, by the time the um, festive period has rolled round, we should be seeing a return to reasonably strong growth in excess of ten percent in 2020.
1: So that that's ten percent year on year by that. What the final quarter is? that is that is that what you're thinking?
0: Uh, yeah, probably for December, November.
1: And what, what's your what's your projection? Or what's your best guess for, for full year 2020? Are we likely to be? I mean, from the sounds, it's likely to be up slightly uh, year on year, but not particularly. What's 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 the number that you put on it?
0: Uh, currently, we're looking at five um, percent year on year growth for 2020 as a whole. Uh, mainly bolstered by the f- strong first quarter.
1: Now that's quite interesting because that, that's a significant contrast as we I think touched on earlier to to the TV market where the figures we've been looking at uh in Europe and the US and in other markets have been you know minus 10%, minus 12, minus 15% year on year with collapses in 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 April May of 30 40%. Um what are the key differences here? I think you probably touched on some of them earlier with the, the brand advertisers, but what's what's the difference between the online market and the TV market?
0: Here? Uh, so in terms of the forecast, I suppose the key difference, as you touched on there, is the um, depth of the dip uh, itself. So online advertising has been um, growing quite fast for a number of years now, and therefore can kind of withstand um, a drop in the growth rate, as I think in 2019 it grew by 13%. and Dropping down to 5%, although that represents an 8% drop in growth, um, still leaves uh, some growth uh, within the market possible. TV advertising, on the other hand, uh, has been reasonably flat over the past five years and was actually projected to decline 1.8% before COVID-19's emergence.
1: So actually, if you're thinking about those, broadly speaking, you've got an 8% drop in the online advertising market. You've got maybe a further 8% drop in, in TV, actually, it's or maybe 10%. So TV is actually, proportionally speaking, you know, if we look at it in the relative terms, probably not that much worse hit than online. It's just it was on, already on a on a different trajectory. Is that, is that right? Uh,
0: uh, yes, in some respect. But there's also uh, kind of compounding factors such as the cancellation of major sporting events, including the Tokyo Olympics. And then some of the um, major advertising industries which focus on TV, such as travel, um, restaurants and auto, are having to reduce their advertising outlay as well, disproportionately to online. And so TV TV is kind of forced into a steeper decline and our forecasts don't have it actually returning into 2019 levels until 2023.
1: And I imagine even then in in real terms, once you factor in inflation that's that's still going to be below historic levels i'd guess i'd imagine so yes very interesting thank you very much callum for the detailed review of what has been happening in the online advertising world that brings this episode of the amp to a close i hope that has been interesting for those of you listening and please do stay tuned and join us next week for the next edition of the amp podcast